0: Jonathan Edwards, 1703 to 1758. He's been dubbed by some to be the most brilliant philosopher born on American soil. But that's not why he's important to us. He's important to us because of how God used him as a preacher of God's gospel. Jonathan Edwards, when he was 31 years of age, um, sparked, the Lord sparked the Great Awakening over roughly a, a, a decade's period of time, where there were... Thousands, millions of people that came to faith in Christ in the English-speaking world. It was sparked by Edward's sermon, um, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. An educator by the name of A.E. Winship documented what happened to the descendants of Jonathan Edwards in a very famous book published January 1st, 1900? So, so he looked at 150 years worth of descendants of Jonathan Edwards. And Winship um, m- made these notations. Jonathan and his wife, Sarah, had 13 children together. And over the course of that century and a half, looking at all of their children and all their progeny, 13 became college presidents. 65 became professors. 100 became lawyers. one the dean of an outstanding law school. 30 became judges. 66 became physicians. One of them, a, a dean of a medical school. 80 held public office. Among those, three were U.S. senators. Three were mayors of large cities. Three were governors of U.S. states. And one was the vice president of these United States. One was the controller of the U.S. Treasury. Winship concluded his study with these words. Quote, there is scarcely any great American industry that has not had one of this family among its chief promoters. The family has cost the country nothing in crime, in hospital, asylum services. On the contrary, it represents the highest usefulness. There's no doubt about it. A person's Heritage can be of tremendous value and benefit. But heritage does not guarantee heaven. Many in Jesus' day thought it did, many in our day think it does. And they think as, as long as mom and dad or grandma and grandpa believed, then, 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 then I'm good because, well, I, basically, we, we believe the same thing. We're continuing our study through the eighth chapter of John's Gospel. And as we have been observing in this particular study as Jesus gets closer and closer to the cross, his conversations with the Jewish leaders in particular become more and more intense. Not surprising. Because eternity is on the line. If if unbelievers are hell-bent on signing their own death certificate, resigning them to a damnable condition in hell. We cannot let them go there without being warned. And so Jesus warns the religious leaders, the Jews of his day. He's in a... a. a, an, um, a a very intense conversation with them. And we've been studying this conversation for, for a number of weeks now. And last week, no, two weeks ago, I concluded with verse 30 of John chapter 8, where John reports that as Jesus spoke these things, many came to believe in him. The next verse we considered last week, was directed specifically toward those who believe. Now, there's an immediate change of tone here. Having been informed that Jesus was addressing those who were believers, uh, then immediately in verse 33, he's talking to those that are, are, are not believers, And he begins a a series of comments that are uh, stern and sobering in nature. He's warning them. And it causes us to wonder, well, are these who believe, believing in air quotes? Are they rocky ground hearers? That is, are they false converts? Or are they among a a silent minority who have been silenced because of the very vocal and um, rabid majority who don't want anything to do with Jesus? Well, what we gained from this, as as we looked at last week, there are some certain character qualities of those who genuinely believe. These are the real deal disciples. And as you will recall from from last week, um, these these who are genuine believers are marked by continuing or abiding in God's Word. They are marked by by, um, uh, knowing the truth, by uh, being freed by that truth. They walk in obedience to the Lord. They imitate the Lord. Now this morning, as we continue in this particular chapter, we're going to find that there are those that, um, um, that claim they know God and claim they walk with God, uh, but they have their own set of character qualities as well. Namely, they do not hear, And do not heed God's word. Read with me. John chapter 8. I'm going to pick it up at verse 31. Though That's where we started last week. And I'm going to continue through verse 47, where we will conclude this morning, Lord willing. Chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who, who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. Yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen from my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you have heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to him, If you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, this Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one Father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God, and for I I have not even come of my own initiative, but he sent me. Why is it that you do not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. I divided um, my my message into two sections. The first having to do with their claim that they are, um, that, that Abraham is their father, and the second having to do with their claim that God is their Father. My first point is this. There is no security in physical lineage. Look with me again at verse 33. I know we looked at this only in passing last week. There were some in that crowd of Jews that answered Jesus, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. Well, if you know anything about the history of the Jewish people, you know they have been enslaved by a lot of big boys, like the Egyptians, like the Assyrians, like the Babylonians, like the Greeks, like the Romans... What? Never been enslaved to anyone? And then there's all the lesser wannabes like the Amorites and the Ammonites and the Midianites and the Philistines. They were subjected to slavery to all of these people. And then there there were others. What do they mean? We have never yet been enslaved to anyone. They weren't ignorant of their... Of their political history. They were saying they were free spiritually because they were a people of privilege and honor, because they were the descendants of Abraham. Abraham was their meal ticket. Now, Jesus rightly understood that that they were physical descendants of Abraham. He says that in verse 37. I know you are Abraham's descendants. But he also acknowledges that the, the main problem for the Jews is one of blindness... And the fact that they, they were indeed enslaved, were indeed of need, needing of freedom, they needed liberation, and the nature of their enslavement was spiritual. Look at verse 34 Everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Those people that are habitually sinning, in a particular area, are a slave to that particular sin. Um, the uh, a, a, a noted rabbi by the name of Akiba um, said that the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, the Israelites, were quote unquote sons of the kingdom. They were the privileged. They were the people of status. Spiritually, they were free, sons of the kingdom. We see the same kind of of, um, idea on the lips of Jesus when he spoke in in Mark chapter 2 of the the Jews. They, they, They thought of themselves as being whole, and healthy. They didn't need a physician. Where indeed, they were spiritually sick. They were spiritually enslaved. But they didn't see it. They thought that Abraham was the guy. And because they were in the lineage of Abraham, they were the privileged ones. They were the special ones. Their place was secure. Now, In the book of Romans, Paul goes out of his way to describe some of the privileges that the Jews had. Romans chapter 9, uh, the Jews had uh, the promises. They had the law. They had the temple. There were so many things that the, the Jews were privileged to enjoy. But heritage does not guarantee you heaven. In Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2, verse 28, Paul says, He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart. Back to our text in Romans, in John chapter 9, I remind you of verse 24. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That's a sobering statement that should wake us up, that should alert us to the fact that there is eternity hanging in the balance here. But the Jews doubled down on their insistence. Verse 39. They answered and said to him. Let me stop there for a minute. I want you to notice two verbs in that phrase I just read. They answered and said. That phrase shows up in verse 48. They answered and said. Why did John include both verbs? They only need one they they answered him or they, they said to him, "No this is a way that John was intensifying the intensity of this claim by these Jews. Abraham is our father, as if that's that settles the matter that's that's All that needs to be said. We're safe. We're secure. We don't need you, Jesus, because Abraham is our father. Well, Jesus has some words for them. That doesn't solve everything. If you were Abraham's children, middle of verse 39... Do the deeds of Abraham, but as it is you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. Now every child growing up in a Jewish home would have heard the stories of Abraham over and over again. And with every child born into the home they would hear the stories yet another time and another time. They knew that Abraham grew up in a pagan culture. And God spoke to Abraham and he said, "Get up and go to a land that I will show you." So he heard the message of God And he obeyed. He went, not even knowing where he was going. And when he got to the land of promise, though it was not given to him, he was but um, a foreigner. God came to him again and gave him a promise. I am going to give you descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. And Abraham believed that promise of God. And the scripture said that it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, there was a great deal of time that took place, or or that passed, before that one, that one heir was given to him through whom that promise was to be realized. He was 100 years old when that child was born. And then the unthinkable happened. God asked him to take that son, his only son, that only son that he loved so much, and to place him on an altar as a sacrifice. God told him to do that. And in obedience, Abraham did that. Now, the Lord spared the life of that child. It was simply a way that God was testing his faith. Abraham passed that test. And God fulfilled his promises to Abraham. Now, with those kinds of stories in mind, Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. What did Abraham do? He heard the word of God and he heeded that word. He obeyed what God said. Jesus says to them, As it is, you're seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, this Abraham did not do. So here's Jesus, the very incarnate form of God, indeed, He is the Word of God standing before them, delivering to them a revelation from God, namely that they could be saved, spared by faith in Him, saved from the consequences of their own sin. And yet, they did not listen to the words of God through Jesus nor did they heed them nor did they obey them indeed they wanted to remove that word from their midst they wanted to kill Jesus he wasn't there on his own initiative he was there on the initiative of the father he came to give them God's message God's gospel and they refused to listen Sonship is not defined by biology, but by obedience. If we say we love God, we will love His Word. We will love that Word that is incarnate in the Son. And by belief in the Son, we have life in His name. Verse 41 of our text, Jesus concludes this little statement by saying, you are doing the deeds of your Father. Second page of your notes. That's a a damning observation, is it not? You are doing the deeds of your Father. Well, what Jesus is Putting down, they're picking up. They understand exactly what Jesus is saying. And so they come back to Jesus. We were not born of fornication. That's what we call, we've, we've looked at this before, uh, an ad hominem uh, argument. When a debater uh, chooses not to deal with the topic at hand, wants to sidestep it, misdirect the conversation to uh, another topic, sometimes they will use an ad hominem argument. That Latin phrase simply means to the man. So rather than dealing with the issue, they'll attack the person who is giving the issue. Here in this case... Uh, they, they want to get away from the implication that Jesus is putting before them that their father is the devil. They're really not children of Abraham in a spiritual sense. They, they want to get away from that, co- that whole conversation, and so they attack Jesus directly. Well, we're, we're not born of fornication. Here's the implication. This is what, they're, this is what they're, they're saying. Jesus, we know that word know is in air quotes. We know that Joseph is your father. Just like they knew that Jesus was born in Galilee. Well, Joseph was not his biological father. Neither was he born in Galilee. We looked at that in chapter 7 but they assumed that that to be true. So we we know who your father is, and yet you claim to have another father. Aha! So now we know what's going on in your home. Your mom, fornicator, adulteress that she was, was obviously, in air quotes, obviously engaged in some other man, and you were fathered by another man, even though Joseph was your, 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 your dad figure as you grew up. We are not born of fornication, they boast. Instead, they say, we have one father, one father, God. We're better than you, Jesus, you sinful tramp. Mm. Such blasphemous, slanderous things said of our Lord. Now, in one sense, they had a point. God was their father. God gave these words to Moses as he was to relay them to Pharaoh. God says, Israel is my son, my firstborn, Exodus chapter 4. Jeremiah 31, the Lord says through his prophet Jeremiah, I am a father to Israel. All right? Point well taken. God is a father to Israel. But let's not twist the point. God was a father to Israel nationally nationally. Not spiritually. God is a father to all those, Jew or Gentile, who put their faith in God's promises and in God's promise keeper, namely Messiah. Those are the only ones to get to heaven. Verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Jesus is saying the same thing. He's reminding them of what he has already just told them, but they're not getting it. Verse 43, why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You have your fingers in my ears and you cannot hear me. They do not hear him. They do not want to heed what they hear. This is the mark of an unbeliever. They don't hear, they don't heed. Verse 44, Jesus says very plainly, You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. You want to do the desires of your father. I dare say that most of you, all of you, have been around little children before who love to do what daddy does and to say things the way daddy says them. We spent a little bit of time with an almost two-year-old in our family this week. I, I learned that I have uh, a new moniker. I don't know if it'll stick, but, but, but I'm Bumpa. Okay. Um, we, we we were amazed at how this, this little this little almost two year old um, mimicked mom and dad. You know when there was something uh, amazing, astonishing, they they would say, "Oh my!" And so everything for this little almost two year old was, "Oh my, oh my, oh my." <laughs> Love to imitate. Oh. Words and manners. You, you know, it it it, it doesn't. It, 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 this this whole idea of of imitation is not something that just little children do. Big children do as well. Adults do as well. Marianne reminded me of a a uh, uh, of a phrase that was passed around uh, homeschooling circles when we were in that in that realm, in our home, you, um, you become like those you spend time with. You become like those you spend time with. And, and the words you use, how you phrase something, your mannerisms, um, the authors that you read, uh, the way you walk, the way you, you flip your hair, if I had any to flip, um, <laughs> what, all the things that you do, we, we, we imitate those people that we we love, we respect, we admire, which um, causes us to, uh, a, a, a good bit of pause when we think, I, I, I want to be careful who I associate with myself, and who I associate my children with, who I expose them to. Jesus says to these, these Jews in front of him, you are of your father the devil. And, 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 and this is how I know it. He was a murderer from the beginning. Think back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, um, the 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 um, mother and father of the entire human race. we were, um, were, were instructed of, of the Lord um, to manage God's God's garden, God's creation. Um, and they they could they could take advantage of everything that was there except except this one the fruit of this one tree. Uh, Stay away from that. Uh, Satan came along and tempted them, brought them into sin, and as a result, there is mortality. Satan brought sin and death into this world in his tempting processes. Um... He is a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar, the father of lies. Uh, um, When when God pointed out the uh, the, um, uh, forbidden tree, the... Tree of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, stay away from this. He says, If if you disobey me, you will surely die. And we read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, that, that the evil one comes along and says, You shall not surely die, flatly contradicting the word of God. He is a liar from the beginning. And Jesus says, You are murderous toward himself, toward Jesus. And you are a liar. You are saying that the truth that he is speaking is from Satan. Ay, ay, ay. Um, verse 45. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Those who truly love God, obey God. They hear God's word, and they obey it, just like Abraham did. But Jesus says, because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Why? Because they are doing the things of their father, the devil. They want to do them. This is a voluntary choice on their part. They're closing their ears to the truth and doing that which pleases them. Verse 46, Jesus puts everything on the line. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If we were to expand that question... Jesus would be saying, take a look at my life. Examine everything that I have said, everything that I have done. If you have the ability, crawl into my head and look at everything that I have thought about. Look at and and analyze all of my motivations. If you can find any transgression, any law that I have broken, violated, stepped across, the smallest piccadillo, If there's anything that is even questionable in my mind, point that out. Prove me to be a sinner in any kind of way, any definition of that. If you can, you will have just verified that I did not come from God the Father. Scripture's very clear. 1 Corinthians 5, Jesus knew no sin. Hebrews 4, Jesus was without sin. 1 Peter 2, he committed no sin. There was no sin in Jesus in any way, any shape, or any form. And the Jews, as hard as they could, uh, hard as they looked, they could not find anything that was a violation of any law, any transgression of God. There was no sin in his life. They were of the lie when Jesus, while Jesus was of the truth. If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? Answer that text from the begin from the end of, or answer that question from the end of verse 47. If I speak the truth, Jesus says, why do you not believe me? Into verse 47, because they are not of God. He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them because you are not of God. Jesus sets up um, a, a syllogism here, um, a syllogism, a, um, uh, Series of statements that that show logically and irrefutably that the Jews standing before him are uh, maybe physical descendants of Abraham, but they are not spiritual descendants of Abraham, and they are certainly not children of God. They're children of the enemy. Here's a major premise: He who is of God hears and heeds God's words. Minor premise. You do not hear or heed God's words. There go. Conclusion: You are not of God. The Jews were not willing to face the facts. They, they wanted to continue to sidestep, skirt around, ignore the main issue at hand, which was this question: Who's your daddy? Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to imitate? Jesus said they wanted to imitate their father, the devil. And they did. Heritage is a wonderful thing. It has tremendous value, can have tremendous value. But it is limited in what it can do among the ancestors of Jonathan Edwards was a man by the name of Aaron Burr. Teamed up with um, the third president of these United States, Thomas Jefferson, Aaron Burr served as the vice president. Now, because of the way things were were worked at at that point, um, there was... um, The opportunity that Burr had to become the president, and he had a political rival by the name of Alexander Hamilton, who was responsible for setting the monetary um, uh, rules uh, of, of how this this nascent nation was to operate. And, and uh, Alexander Hamilton was of a s- strongly different political view in many regards than Aaron Burr. And uh, Alexander Hamilton stood up against him publicly in the House of Representatives, speaking against Aaron Burr. Out of jealousy, rage, fury, anger, you get the idea. Aaron Burr challenged Alexander Hamilton to a duel. Shot and killed him. The next year, he was um, in conversation with the British to take over the Louisiana Purchase. He had visions of himself of being crowned the uh, Emperor of Mexico, and he was tried for treason. It was only because of a technicality that he escaped um, conviction and sentencing and he fled to England out of deep shame. Not exactly what his bumper, Jonathan Edwards, would have done or said. we can hide behind somebody's, somebody else's cloak, you know, like an almost little two-year-old does out of embarrassment, hiding behind mom or dad. But the fact of the matter is, God truly does not have any grandchildren. Individually, we stand before God, and He will deal with this question. Who's your daddy? To whom do you show loyalty? Who do you imitate? Whose word do you listen to? Whose word do you obey? God adopts all those who repent and believe. Our blessed God, we thank you for the privilege that's ours of looking into Scripture and to see uh, even in the midst of 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 a very highly emotionally and spiritually charged conversation what the truth is, who the truth is. Give us the humility that we need put aside our pride and all those things that we trust in to get us to heaven, that we might be found in you. We thank you for your faithfulness to preserve your word for this day, in Jesus' name.